Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We are in 1 Peter. And so if you want, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1. And we'll start reading verses 22 and all the way through chapter 2 to verse 3. Because it's kind of all one thought process. The chapters are broken up there, but they aren't really, they're there for our convenience, not for inspiration. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And Peter writes, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one for another, deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word is the good news that was announced to you. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. If needed, you have tasted, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As Peter's writing, remember he's just told us about how God is our father, that he has given us a new birth into a living hope, that he has brought us into an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance. So we've been brought into this family uh, that is his family, that we are part of a salvation that is being unveiled in us, but yet was foretold by the prophets. They long to look into these things that were part of a, a much bigger story, that we are continuing what God has begun a long, long time ago. And we've been ransomed from, he said, our, our futile ways because we were maybe living for ourselves, living just in a momentary kind of just this 
this is all I know of life. And now we've been redeemed, brought back into God's story that is much bigger, much more powerful and has much more impact, not only on us, but in the world. But we've been redeemed by the the blood of Christ, which is of more value than gold. And it's been done for our sake. And so these are the things that we've been brought into. We're, we're not being conformed to the old desires, but living in relationship with our father, which is the idea of be holy, even as he is holy. In other words, live in this dynamic relationship with him. Be in this uh, communion with him so that what he wants becomes what you want. And what he does becomes the things that you do, that the relationship you have with people affects you, so should the relationship you have with God. And that's the idea that we are being kind of pushed into. And then he starts off here and he tells us that now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one for another, deeply from your heart. Now that you have, been, you have purified your souls by your obedience, you have purified your soul. Doesn't that sound contrary? Isn't it God who purifies our soul? But he says, you have purified your soul by your obedience to the truth. What is the truth? All the things we just talked about, the inheritance that we have, being brought into this family, living in this dynamic relationship, having a living hope. This is the truth that we've been brought into. And by living in the reality of that, it purifies your soul. Have you ever done something, even at work, that was stupid? You made a mistake. Anyone here made a mistake? No, Kristen, no. You know how those things can eat at you? It's like you can go home and that's all you're thinking about is how you left, you know, the machine on and it burned out the motor or whatever it was. You, You did something, you forgot to lock the job box and now everything's gone. You know, uh, whatever it is, you, you've done something and that leaves its impression on you and you kind of bear that in your soul. It's just like, oh man, you wake up in the morning and it's first thing that comes to mind is I gotta go and deal with this, whatever this is. Or even in a relationship, it's even worse, right? If you've hurt someone and you have to talk to them, it's like, oh, I've got to talk to them, but I know I've hurt them. I don't really want to deal with that. And what happens is these things start to affect our lives. They, they start to affect how we think. They affect the things that we do. And it's the same in our relationship with God and one another. You see, we purify our souls by living in obedience. Who wants to go to church if you know you've just been blowing it with God? It's like, I really don't want to hear. What if he says that thing that I know I shouldn't have done but did, or or you have this guilty conscience thinking, I can't go there because I'm not good enough, and you start to kind of wear that. And we really do purify our souls by walking in obedience 
doesn't mean being perfect. We're just in a, a living relationship. And then you, you have this openness. You don't come with that mental weight on you, with that feeling maybe of shame or, or this like, oh, I, I really feel awkward in this place. See, we purify our souls by walking obediently to the truth. But there's a reason, because that's not the end game. It isn't so, hey, you just got to be obedient. You just got to do what's right. That's not the end game. That's the process to the end game. Because the end game, he says right there, is so that you may have genuine mutual love one for another deeply from the heart. That's the end game. You see, it's not about being obedient. It's about being united. It's about walking in harmony. And it's hard to live in harmony if we're not on the same journey, if we're not walking the same way, if we have different ideas of what that means, if we're not kind of in unison or if we're harboring some of the things that he's talked about and we're going to look at a little bit later. And so the end game is that genuine mutual love. And it's a deep love. It's not superficial, but it's deep. And I love that description there, that it's a love one another deeply from the heart. It means it's something that you hold on to as very important. And it's one of these things that we have to be reminded of because we fail to recognize that really if you love God, the only evidence there is if you love God is if you love your brother. That's the true evidence. It's not if you read your Bible. Pharisees read their scripture, right? They knew it backwards and forward. And they were in opposition. It's not if you pray. Remember, the Pharisees prayed. It's not if you tithe. You can do all those things and be out of sorts in your relationship with God. But the one thing that shows you're in relationship with God is how you care about other people. That's where it always comes down to. You know, this kind of crazy notion that if you love God, then you'll love others. And that's central to what Christ taught and what Christ is about. And it's really what Peter's hammering home here. The whole point of you walking in this dynamic relationship with God, being holy as he is holy, is it purifies you so that you can have a deeper love for one another. Because you're able now to give to those people who are around you. You are able to care for them and not be the one that always needs caring for. You know, I I want my life to move from a place where I'm a person who needs to a person who can give. I'm not the person who takes. I'm the person who can give. And I think that's a prayer a lot of times I have for people when I talk to them is, Lord, take this person and move them from this position where they're always taking and Take them to the mature position where they're actually caring enough to give. Because when you really care deeply for someone, 
You give of yourself to them. You give money to them. You give time to them. You take them coffee. You buy them lunch. You, you know, whatever it is. You do those things for them. You go on walks late at night looking for Pokemon because <laughs> you care about them. You want to be with them. You, you invest. You give of yourself to them. And so... The whole idea is we've been purified because we're walking in truth and we have this mutual love and it's a deep love. We are a, a place where that we can give to one another. This kind of love is the only kind that represents what has happened to us. And we have to give deeply, not superficially. This is costing us something. Have you guys been watching the Olympics? I've only been watching like the highlights, like I'll see the, you know, little blurbs of the great things. But I mean, you look at some of these people who are like the highlights, you know, you look at Michael Phelps and you've seen those pictures of his like game face where the guy likes mad, you know, it's like, man, what's going on there? And that guy's head, you know, you look at him and this guy is all in, right? He's not like, oh, maybe I will or maybe I won't. Man, when he's in there, you could tell it's all or nothing. What about that gal, Simone Biles, the gymnast? Oh, how do you do that stuff, right? Triple flip and boom, just plants it. And it's just like, yeah, that's it. It's like, no, you know. And these people stand out because they are committed to being the best they can be. It's a deep commitment. Where does it have that kind of commitment to each other? You see, if we really loved each other, like Jesus told us to, if we really cared and it showed in our commitment to one another, I'm telling you, people would be paying money to be a part of this. People pay money to be part of things that are far less because we want a place to belong. We want a place where people care. We want a place where someone has our back and watches out for us, where someone cares about us, where we can share these things with people. That's why I like to celebrate recovery is so popular is because, hey, I can be here and tell everyone about my junk because you all got junk too, right? And, and so it's not like I'm going to get looked down upon. And, and it's always, you know, fun to kind of watch what happens for people who've come for the first time. And someone goes up and they say, hi, you know, my name is Sam and I struggle with meth and I struggle with this. And then people are like, oh, wow, they just admitted that, you know. Hi, you know, my name is James and I'm, you know, addicted to porn and do this. And he just said that at a church. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? And it's like they just come there and they just open up and start telling these things. And people are like, oh, wow, I guess it's safe here. And then all of a sudden their guard gets let down and pretty soon they can actually be open and start talking openly about what's really going on and not be superficial because that's our tendency is to withdraw. We'll have a few people that we can let go to, but not that many. And even then it depends on if they get hurt or hurt us. But you see, Peter's here is saying, you know, 
look what God has done for us, brought us into his family. Man, he has done, done all this thing so that we can have a dynamic relationship with him. The end game is so that we can have mutual love one for another, and it's a deep love. It's a real love. It's genuine. So when you hurt, I can hurt with you, and I can be there with you. And when you're struggling, I can be there and struggle with you. This lack of commitment in our lives, it it hurts us. We do it for self-protection, but it ends up biting us. We want to put the guard up and not let anyone in too close because of what it may do, but what it does is it keeps us from feeling. It keeps us from loving. It keeps us from being more involved in a healthy way. C.S. Lewis wrote, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. I love that. We, we settle for so little, and God here is offering us so much. But notice the so much that he's offering, it involves you. You're a part of the so much. You see, you're the so much to someone else. You're the so much to the person who needs. It involves us. And he goes on and he tells us, we have been born anew, verse 23, not of perishable but imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Again, there is that idea and that phrase, the word of God. And when he speaks of the word of God here, or the word that was announced to you that he talks about, it's really talking about, and he says that at the end of verse 25, that word is the good news that was announced to you. That's really what he's talking about. This word of God is what was announced to you, what what was announced to us. He means the message about Jesus, the Messiah. But remember, the message about Jesus only means what it means because even as Peter has already said, it is the fulfillment of what the prophets have said. And so we could put it this way, that the word of God means the message about Jesus and about what God has done through him as seen in the fulfillment of scripture. And so when we hear this terminology, you know, the word of God, we have received the good news that was announced to you, this word of God, that through the living and enduring word of God, it is this living and enduring message of who Jesus is that was promised and has been fulfilled and now is at work in us. This is the word of God that is taking place. And so it is much more than just the scripture, but it definitely includes the things that were written in the scripture, but it's pointing to something again that was active, that the word is good news And now it's been announced to you. This message has been brought to you. When they spoke to people about Jesus, something happened to them. 
And maybe this has been your case where someone has talked to you about Jesus and something happened to you when you heard that. Maybe you can remember when someone kind of talked about Christ to you the first time and what happened to you. I remember what happened to me. I remember where I was when I started hearing this message, and I remember it having this effect on me as far as I know I need something, and this feels like what I need, even though I didn't fully understand it. It started kind of wooing me to this wanting to know more, wanting to be engaged more with it, wanting to find out more about it. I even pretended I knew about it. I remember at a Bible study, everyone was praying, and I thought, well, I can pray too. And I, you know, so I was going to pray. And I think everyone was praying about something about Jesus, and the only thing I really knew about Jesus was from the the movie Jesus Christ Superstar. So I started quoting some lines from the movie, and who knows what I said, you know. I I just like, I know Jesus. I saw the movie, you know. And so I just kind of started sharing these things, and, and I don't know what I said. I don't remember, but it must have been obvious that I didn't know much because someone came up to me afterwards and said, hey, you know, do you know Jesus? I go, well, yeah, I saw the movie, you know. Um, But it definitely stirred something in my heart, you know, and these people had heard the message, decided either to go along with the message or, or to reject it. And it seemed as if this message carried with it Life. It seemed like this message carried with it the hope that they were looking for. It seemed like this message carried something beyond the words that were spoken to. And I think so many times our souls know what we need before our minds fully understand. That God is speaking to us, and a lot of times we aren't understanding that it's God but it's pulling us towards him. So that when someone finally says this, it stands out to us and we say, that's it. That's what I'm needing. That's what I want. And all of a sudden it clicks and it falls into place. And Peter is saying, this word has been announced to you and now it's falling into place. It's making sense to you. It's clicking with you because you're recognizing that this is God message to me that has been here all along, but has pulled me towards him. It was as if the word was spoken, and it was like a, a blood transfusion to my soul, that it produced health to me, that it gave clarity to my mind and my thinking. And all of a sudden, I started finding life going through my veins because of this word that was proclaimed to me, announced to me, this message of who Jesus was. It started to transform me. It it, it rinsed me out. It helped purify my mind from a lot of tainted and, and misguided thinking. It started to give me a sense of the presence of God and make that a reality instead of just something I heard about at church. And it brought me into this dynamic relationship. And Peter quotes Isaiah chapter 40, where he says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. 
Not many things endure forever. Think about all the things we have today that they didn't have 30 years ago. Internet, cell phones, computers. All the things that we just take for granted that weren't there back then that are a part of our life. You know, we can't imagine life without these things. But 30 years ago, you had no knowledge of these things. And time changes, things change. And what Paul, or Peter is doing here is he's kind of giving us this kind of dynamic, drastic illustrations of the things that fade and then the things that last. He, he talked about the genuine mutual love for one another deeply from our hearts, and he's going to show the contrast of those things. This is what is to be gained and what actually is to be lost if we don't take it seriously. If we don't take this need to actually care about each other seriously, then this is the other side of the coin, which he talks about in verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1, where he says, rid yourself, therefore. If you're going to have deep love for one another, and you're going to get rid of the things that are passing, and you're going to have something that's tangible and lasting, rid yourself, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. The idea of these things, malice, is the intention for evil, guile, selfish intentions, insincerity. Insincerity was a term that they would use if something wasn't genuine. They would have pottery, and if the pottery had cracks in it when they put it in the kiln and they fired it up and they had cracks in it, what they'd do is they'd fill it up with wax so that it would seal up the cracks. But after time, the wax would waste away and then the pottery would start to leak. And so what they would do is they would sell pottery that was called sincere. This pottery is sincere. In other words, there's no wax in it. There's no holes. It's genuine. You can trust this. And this is supposed to be in our character. That we don't have ill intentions, that they're not selfish intentions, that there's not insincere. In other words, there's holes in it. This is something you can put water in and it will hold that water. It will last. It can hold the weight of the relationships that are involved in it. And these are the things that we're supposed to have. Envy resentful for someone, who they are, what they have. The idea of envy is actually something that rots you. When you're envious, it starts to eat at you. And so these aren't part of the healthy relationship. This is what happens if the relationship isn't healthy. And so if we start seeing these things in our lives, we start recognizing that There's something wrong. These are the things that are temporary that won't last as opposed to the genuine love, mutual love, the deep love. Then he says slander, damaging a person's reputation to speak to others against them. And it's amazing how we can focus on certain things and 
name them. These are the sins, you know, whether it be drunkenness, homosexuality. You, you can list these things that everyone will focus on. But boy, I don't think there's anything more common in the Christian church than slander. You go online and you can look it up. I mean, it's amazing how many people say things about people and never really talk to the people they're talking about except talking about them. They never talk to them. They'll just talk about them, slandering them. And don't you see that this is exactly what Peter's talking about? Why would anyone want to engage and be a part of this when it includes that? unless you want to feel better than someone. These are the things that tear us down personally and as a community. These are the things that can eat at us and start to destroy us. These are the things that we need to purify our souls from these kinds of things. And he goes on after he tells us to get rid of these things, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And I love that terminology. Again, it's from the Psalms. But have you ever heard someone talk about food or watched one of those shows like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, right? Man, you see those shows and you just like, you're making road trips just so you can go eat that grilled cheese, right? You're just like, I want to know where I can get that food because you see the person eat it and you can almost taste it. And they just, they describe it and it's like, man, I'm so hungry now. I'm just thinking about that food. I really can't wait to go out there and, and get it. That's what Peter is wanting us to do. He, he's saying, you know, if you've tasted and seen then you know what I'm talking about. And that should be the case for us. And I know it is the case for some of you that I know where you have given yourself to indulge in so many things. You have, you know, tried to consume all that you could to bring satisfaction to your life and it did not satisfy, but you've tasted and seen that the Lord actually does satisfy. And so now you can say, I know what you're talking about. I've had that. Just like if you've gone to that restaurant, have you had that burger? Oh, yes, I've had that hamburger. Oh, man, it is the best. (laughs) I've tasted and seen. It's good. And that's what he's really saying. You've tasted, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, then This is who you need to become. This is what you need to be like. Take this. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow into salvation. You know, my grandson, he's six months old. And when he's hungry, there is no reason in his mind at all. He just wants food. He'll just scream because that's what babies do. It's like, I want food. He longs for food. So much that nothing else matters. You know, you can play Itsy Bitsy Spider only so long, and after a while, I don't care what you do, 
give me some food now. All right? And it's all about that. It's so funny. Our granddaughters, when we took them to Disneyland one time, we were there and we were having a great time. But, you know, you kind of push it and try and get on all the rides. And so lunch had kind of come and gone. It was probably like one thirty or so. And all of a sudden, man, they started turning into these little savages. I mean, they were just like, ah. And we were like, what's going on? Well, let's go. So I don't want to eat that. I don't want to eat that. And they were just like, oh, my gosh. It's like, we got to get out of here. They're just terrible. And, well, let's sit down. Oh, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to. Well, just have something... They took a few bites, and all of a sudden, they turned into these normal people. It was that Snickers bar commercial, right? You're just not yourself, you know? And really, what's happening here is unless you hunger for the right things and unless you desire these things in your life, you're you're just a savage. You live a savage life until you taste and see, until you desire the sincere and pure milk that God provides that grows us in this salvation, that you may grow into salvation. There's again, this idea of salvation being an ongoing thing. If indeed you've tasted to see that the Lord is good. And and really that's what we want to understand. You see, even as a newborn craves milk, we too need to crave the spiritual nourishment because we have been born into this new and living relationship. And it's necessary for us to eat well so that we can grow healthy. And part of eating well is how we connect to one another. It's why meeting is important. It's not because I'm going to give you some wonderful information that's going to change your life. It's because the things we talk about, you are going to put into practice in your life with one another. That's what's healthy. That's where the growth is. I may be able to inspire you for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. But living this out changes your life. Produce, produces health in your life. It is what moves you and helps you to grow into salvation. Remember, salvation is a healthy and whole life. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that the relationship we want? Don't we want to be the people who can taste and see that the Lord is good and we live like it? Because we've been satisfied by him, we are not going to settle for less. Let's pray. Lord, Peter wrote this all these years ago to people who were struggling, hurting, being persecuted. And these were the words that they held on to to get them through their lives and the difficulties that they were going through. And they are the words that we too can hold on to that can help us in our lives. Our struggles are different, but the temptations are the same. The the challenges are the same. We can either love each other genuinely, deeply, and truly, Lord, or we can 
slander one another, envy one another. We can speak ill of one another and desire only for ourselves, Lord, and not be sincere. And Lord, what that does to us is so devastating. And so may we recognize like they had to recognize the importance of what salvation looks like, of recognizing the things that passed and the things that last, of recognizing the things that satisfy and the things that don't. And might we hunger for the things that do last and the things that do satisfy. Father, may we long for that spiritual milk. May we taste and see that you are good. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.